Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. We all have our favorite places to eat, but what are the most underappreciated spots in Rhode Island? Where can you find a good dive bar? And how have restaurants pivoted in response to COVID? Globe Rhode Island is tackling these questions and more with our new dining guide out this month. We'll talk with our own Alexa Gagas about why she created this resource and how it's different from other guides out there after this quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org weekly. That's ripbs.org weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with the force behind our new dining guide, our own Alexa Gagas. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Ed. You are wicked busy here at Globe Rhode Island. You churn out at least a dozen stories a week. What made you decide to add a dining guide on top of all your other duties? Yeah, so when I was 19 years old, up in Boston, in college, I got my first ever restaurant job at Bertucci's, of all places, right in Faneuil Hall. And I actually hated it at first. I was dreaming of becoming a bartender. I thought they were the coolest people in the industry. All I wanted to do was get, you know, sleeves of tattoos, dye my hair black, and make up my own cocktails. <laughs> I convinced my general manager to allow me on the bar when she became short-staffed, and I actually never left. I went to work in different pubs, in breweries, fine dining establishments, and I just fell in love with being able to converse with people, hear what they were going through during that day, learn what they loved for liquor, for wine, for beer, and just learn more about the industry. Then the pandemic came, and my last day behind the bar was March 15th of 2020, and that was still a day of gloom for me. I knew what it felt like to be unemployed with the unknown. Then I came to Rhode Island, and I became just captivated by this dining experience, both in Providence and Newport and elsewhere, super overlooked restaurants everywhere across the state. And I realized I could still be part of it while honoring those that are nourishing us. So will you be doing food reviews? Yeah, great question. I think every time I've mentioned to anyone in the state that we're doing a dining guide, they're like, so uh, what's the best place to go? 
It's not a food review. There's already great publications like Edible Roadie, Providence Monthly, Hey Roadie, Rhode Island Monthly that are doing food reviews, and they're doing a good job. We just found that there's innovation. There are people that are pushing the boundaries in the culinary scene, not just in the kitchen and behind the line, but also behind the bar in this state, and we should really be featuring them. So when we're talking about this dining guide, it's more of a business story, an economic story, and frankly, a community story. One, talking about our hospitality industry, but talking about Rhode Islanders every day. Who's going to be contributing to the dining guide? Everyone on the Globe Rhode Island team, which I think is the best part because I'm not from Rhode Island, much to everyone's dismay. And a lot of the people that work on our bureau, they're Rhode Island veterans. They were born here. They were raised here, just like you, Ed. Our colleague, Amanda Milkovitz, she's lived here for 20-plus years. Our colleague, Brian, he has like a whole spreadsheet of 150 places that you should go in Rhode Island that he had shared with me during like my first few months at the Globe. So this is the best part about this dining guide is it's really bringing everyone in, talking about their likes and dislikes about the Rhode Island dining scene, talking about, you know, the different chefs that they know, different corners that they know. Our colleague, Carlos Munoz is going to be talking about this family-run restaurant, Skeff's, over in East Providence that just moved from Cumberland. You know, I wouldn't know about those things. I think that I have my ear to the ground when it comes to restaurants, but our entire team can kind of spread out across the state and tell the stories that they want to tell. So it's about food, but it's also about people. So are there any interesting people in the restaurant industry that you're excited to tell us about? Yes. One woman that I just spoke to, her name is Chef Jeannie Rowland. She is the owner of Ella's in Westerly, which she is classically trained in a French technique, but she uses light Asian ingredients in all of her dishes. And she specializes in duck, which you can't find everywhere. Ella's is an award-winning restaurant. Chef Rowland, she has published two fantastic cookbooks, both of which I have, and she has a restaurant down in Florida. A lot of people don't know this because it's out in Westerly and they're not trekking over there, but Chef Roland has been nominated for seven James Beard Awards in the last several years. And she even went on Bobby Flay's show and beat him at his own game. So she's really well known on a national level, but when it comes to locals, they just don't know yet. As a Rhode Islander, Westerly seems too far away for me, but that may be what makes me do the trip. So you're from Connecticut. Westerly is almost there. How would you describe Rhode Island's food and drink scene compared to other places? Yeah, so I grew up in a fairly small farm town. The only things that you could eat there was pizza and Chinese food. And let me tell you, the pizza was not good. (laughs) It's not like Rhode Island pizza. I was a classic American diner. I didn't know anything about food. I didn't know about where to source your ingredients, sustainable eating. I didn't know about any of that. I didn't even know that you could be a vegan um, growing up. And then I moved to Boston and everything changed. But even Boston lacks so much that Rhode Island has and tenfold. Rhode Island's dining scene is second to none, in my opinion. Yes, you can go to New York, you can go to L.A., you can go to San Francisco and have fantastic chef tasting meals. You're also going to pay $500 a plate for it. Here in Rhode Island, you can get that at Persimmon and spend less than $200 a head with a wine pairing. You can go to Gracie's for the same thing. So I really think that Rhode Island's dining scene is the most accessible and the most innovative in the Northeast. And is the dining guide even going to have a place to go for a guy like our colleague, Dan McGowan, who eats like one or two things, like a hamburger, plain hamburger. <laughs> is, are there going to be places for him too? Absolutely. So Dan, as many of our listeners here probably don't know, Dan, I think, only eats chocolate cake from Greg's and yep. chicken tenders and <laughs> a burger with no condiments or lettuce and tomato. Yeah, yeah. He is actually putting together 
a whole story in his very columny voice about a whole day in the life of a picky eater, you know, from breakfast to snacks to lunch to dinner. And he is going to talk about all the places that you can go where it's still acceptable to not have ketchup on your burger. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) I'll share share, uh, Dan's column with my kids. So how often will you be updating this? Yeah, I think at this point, it's going to be every few months. We're also going to be updating it throughout the summer. And then we'll have another big launch right as kids are heading back to college. You know, then we'll have the opportunity to talk about different places you can go with less than $10, different places to bring your parents when they come to visit Providence, and the best cheap eats around every college campus, whether it be Brown, Roger Williams, or, you know, even the Naval War College. So sources tell me you're also planning a newsletter related to the dining scene. Tell me about that. Yes, I am super excited about this newsletter. It's going to be an opportunity where we can share new stories that we're posting you know, throughout the week, but also it's going to be an opportunity for us to really get into the minds of chefs and bartenders and restaurant owners across the state. We'll be publishing different Q&As, kind of like a chef's talk series. And I'm looking to talk to anyone and everyone, you know, chefs on super yachts that come to Newport frequently. You know, where do you source your ingredients? What meat markets do you go to? I want to know everything. I saw on Twitter that you asked people to name the most underrated restaurants in Rhode Island. What were some of the answers? It seemed like you got a, a lot of responses. It did get a lot of responses. And, you know, some were like, hey, I live in Narragansett and this is where I go, which was Twin Willows and Coastal Cabin. There were also a lot of places like that were looking for the best Portuguese restaurant, go to Odini's, which our colleague Brian Amaral loves. Or, you know, when it comes to Central Falls, there are so many great fantastic places for Colombian food that are just completely overlooked. Then you look, you know, on Broad Street in Providence, there are flavors that you can get that you can't get anywhere else in Providence. There are just so many fantastic places that we learned about, and I can't wait to publish that roundup. Yeah, you mentioned our colleague, Brian Amaral. Isn't he going to be writing about Portuguese restaurants? Yes. So he has did a whole tour of Portugal right here in Rhode Island. And he is kind of like the perfect person to do this. We're talking about Odini's, like I mentioned, but also Aguardente, which is a brand new spot on the east side in Providence that's getting a lot of love lately. So he's going to be traveling to all those different places. He also went to a social club. It was kind of like a bunch of old men who were sitting at the bar, but it had some of the most authentic food, great music, and it's totally off the beaten path. Why don't we know about that? So my assignment for the dining guide is to write about the places where politicians eat. So I expect I'll be at Twin Oaks at some point. But Senate President Dominic Ruggiero said his favorite place is Zorba's on Menno Spring Avenue in North Providence. And Representative David Morales said his favorite place is El Ninja on Broad Street in Providence. Have you been to either of those places? I definitely have not been to Zorba's. So maybe I should put that next on my list. El Ninja, though, I know is super innovative sushi. I haven't gone there yet, but it's literally on the list of places to go next. And if I was going to go out to eat with my wife Ellen tonight, where should I go? So there's so many great places right here in downtown Providence. I live here in downtown, and I could just name a whole list of places. A Mary List on Westminster Street. It's owned by two women who actually worked at Lupo's, too, back in the day in the 90s. And it's a BYOB place. There are menu updates regularly. And think date night food, but out in California, Southern California, to be exact. I've had this grilled peach burrata salad there that was just divine. And you can grab liquor or beer or wine 
wine right over at Eno's Fine Wine next door. Bring it over for a $5 corking fee. Or you can go to Res American Bistro, which is kind of like the classic American establishment, kind of an institution that's up and coming. It just opened during the pandemic. It's right in front of the Trinity Rep Theater. And I think I mentioned this to you before, but if you're, you know, you look at the movie American Psycho and they turn and they say, hey, have you gotten that reservation yet? And they go to this beautiful restaurant with these oversized green leather chairs. And it's just a gorgeous place. And you're like, I need to know what's on that menu. That's Res American Bistro, except it's red leather chairs. Get the scallop risotto. And it is just absolutely one of the best things I've ever put in my mouth. That sounds great. Alexa Gagas, thanks for joining me today. Bon appetit. Thanks so much, Ed. You can check out our new dining guide now at globe.com slash Rhode Island. And if you're looking for fun activities this week, read Lauren Daly's column on the best things to do in the state. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe to Rhode Island Report. It's the best way to get the podcast every week. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Amy Padula. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week. Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport, Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all anytime and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org passport. That's ripbs.org passport.